pre-grade requests where two college professors take a second look at questions and answers from around the internet and from you, the listener. My name is Professor McBurney. My name is Professor Mark Sheriff. Okay, so faculty meeting last week. <laughs> okay, so 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 you were there and I asked you about it. So I'll, I'll retell the story. And I don't know if I've updated you on the, the final stats of, of what has occurred. So at the faculty meeting last Monday, I've always been the the careful one on Zoom. I've been the one that's been telling other people to mute their mics. I've been the one that has gone in and edit and hit the mute button when I was Can I interrupt the... real quick? Yeah. My mic was on the entire day for, for the staff meeting today. And I, I didn't notice because I was watching the presentation and didn't have chat up. Oh no, for the for the I mean, job I wasn't talk? speaking, but not not for the job talk, no. For the uh for we had a meeting where they were oh, the other, talking about the other uh CPE, computer engineering for those not familiar. Uh and apparently my mic was on the whole time and people were whispering me, but I had the presentation maximized. So I didn't hear. I mean, I, I wasn't saying anything. I just, but I was typing. Zoom is hard that way. Yeah. I, I, but, but I'm usually the really good one. And unfortunately, at the last faculty meeting, I left, I left the mic on, just didn't even notice it. Yeah. It's not like I was and, playing Hearthstone or anything. It turns out I was playing Hearthstone. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah. And so people were saying, oh, it was just like indeterminate sounds. You said you didn't hear anything, but I, like, I, I didn't hear dang. anything. I bet I wasn't. Yeah, Listening well, I'm really it. glad no one heard me complaining about not drawing my humongous owl because that would have been weird. Um, but yeah, that was a deck, a card of the deck I was trying to play. So I, I went off and tweeted about this. The tweet said, for almost two years now, I've been the careful one mm -hmm. on Zoom, always muting and managing my camera when not talking. Today, I apparently accidentally casted a game of Hearthstone to a department faculty meeting. Even worse, I didn't win. Now, the reason I went and tweeted that was because... Um, some Hearthstone um, podcasters follow me and I follow them. I, I've, I've gotten some Hearthstone coaching some, from some people. So, I mean, we hang out in discords. So there's a couple people that I know appreciate these stories. And I knew that I was going to get a response from one guy in particular. Um, goes by the name Ridiculous Hat. Yes, that's his handle. Super nice guy. Um, I knew he would respond almost immediately. Sure enough, he did. Um, but then he liked it. And then other people liked it. And I've never had a tweet blow up before. And so I know this is not compared to other people, but when I had nearly 400 likes, that <laughs> was something for me. But what's even better is no fewer than five actual developers of Hearthstone liked the tweet. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was that was a little surreal. Too. It's like, oh, lead senior developer at Hearthstone. I was like, oh, yeah. man. All right. Well. Ah, there you go. So Man, I, 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 doubt, I, doubt any, I doubt any grade scope developers are going to like my tweet. If I tweet about my experience today, <laughs> something tells me that, yeah, I was, I just had a really rousing session of grading student missions. Um, anyway, have you had any tweets do anything interesting? I, mean, I, I tweeted once about like Tetris effect and mm -hmm. I got one like, and it was the company that released it. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. There's some social person just searching for their game name. Not, not offhand. I mean, I don't really follow that. Like I, I, I tweet to be humorous, but I don't sit there and like refresh the page trying to see like how many arbitrary dopamine points the social media is going to give me today. I think it, it got weirdly uncomfortable for me as more yeah. and more like official people started. Like, <laughs> I'm worried like, that like, if I tweet anything that actually gets popular, someone's going to go back and like find some tweet that they're just woefully offended by. 
Well, the thing Not that kept that going I have through really, but that, but yeah. Well, the thing that kept going through my mind is the dean of the engineering school follows me on Twitter. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a risk. Uh, I, I some of some of our professor friends did did like the tweet though. Yeah. Uh, so so that was that was nice. <laughs> that was nice. Hey, your response to the tweet got liked by a senior developer there. I too. don't even remember what it was. What was it? Oh, you made it. You made a joke about you were playing uh, Battlegrounds instead. Basically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, not that I ever play games during. Not that meetings. you ever no. play games during. Never have. Never have. Ne- let, yeah, or or email. I mean, which is worse, really, enjoying yourself playing game Hearthstone or answering email from students? I mean, come on, which one? Well, I guess I've one's definitely, more. I've definitely done the answering email from students. Yeah, definitely, to, definitely to, to, to my students. to my detriment. What do you um, got for us this week? So here's an interesting one. I, I saw right. a question on uh on explain like I'm five while I was while I was looking for questions. And it was a question that I actually just I didn't even know the premise of it was true. Okay. Um, it turns out, and maybe I maybe I'm the idiot here and I, I didn't you know, I, I'm behind. It turns out that if you take a screenshot of Netflix, like you pull up Netflix on your browser, and you take a screenshot, nothing will be there. It'll just, I mean, like your browser window will be there, but the video won't be there. And now yeah. here, here's the interesting thing is that um, I, if you watch with subtitles and take a screenshot, the subtitles will be there, but not the video. And I didn't know that. And the question that, so I had to do some research on it. And the question that was asked was, how can apps like Netflix prevent users from taking a screenshot of the shows they are watching? So I will clarify your point slightly because I, I, I think you mean by when you take a screenshot, you mean hitting the actual screenshot button on the keyboard? Correct. Well, taking the I screenshot ha- on the keyboard. Correct. I have used the um, the snipper in Windows, the uh, Windows Shift S to let you draw a box around something. And that has worked for me. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I don't know if that's Netflix is going to patch that out now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know um, how they do it. Gosh, I feel like this is one I should be able to answer. I'm not. Um, if it's full screen. OK, if it's full screen, I could believe that the app it just has ownership of the, you know, the graphics engine at that moment and can prevent the command. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make sense because that's still running through the browser. It's not really Netflix. It's the browser itself. I don't know, Will. Why can it do that? So so first, let's talk about why they would want to do this. And the simple reason is they don't want people basically pulling up the show in their browser, max screening, and then like using something like OBS to record it. Sure. So it can't be pirated. Or um, just jamming that print screen as fast as they can and then stitching them together yeah. to make kind of a rotoscope that you can watch that latest episode. Or, or just use OBS. Witcher. Okay, well, that too. Yeah. Um, they don't want people to be able to do that. So... Pardon me. Um, The basics is first, let's talk about how images typically get to your computer, which is that you have programs that are running and they run some, you know, render command. And typically that will go to uh, either your video card, if you have one, or if you're running a computer that doesn't have a, a video card your processor probably has some integrated graphics and it goes there. And so what is told to be drawn ends up, we'll just say for this case, in your video card. 
And then mm. your video card renders that to the screen. So your video right. card communicates the colors of each pixel to your screen, you know, millions of times a second, right? Is the dress gold or blue? Your graphics card actually does know. Yeah. You're, well, your graphics card knows. <laughs> you, you, a human being, don't. Um, it turns out Netflix does not render on the graphics card. It's The, the video is encrypted still. Uh, it's encrypted when it comes over the network. Really? It's encrypted when it's in your browser. It's encrypted when it goes to your graphics card. It's actually your monitor that is decrypting the code because your monitor still has a computer of sorts in it that can do some basic decryption. Oh, and so over Netflix, HDMI. Uh, yeah, or, or I mean, I use DisplayPort, but it's not the HDMI itself, cr- right? That has an encryption protocol it in does. those display technologies. As, that, as does ah. DisplayPort, right? And so your Netflix video is not actually decrypted until it ends up on your monitor. Which this is the same way that you you're not theoretically able to rip DVDs or something like that by playing them into something because it has to go or Blu-rays, I suppose, Mm -hmm. is better for that because it has to go through the display device that has the final decryption process. Yeah. And and so. Right. And so it's the display display device that's actually doing it. So when you take a screenshot using print screen, I guess it, it doesn't do this with the snipper. So now I know. But when you take a uh, a screenshot, it's effectively just taking whatever is buffered into the current frame on your video card or on your integrated graphics, whatever, uh, before it gets sent out to your monitor. And you don't have that video there. So it's just a black screen. But it is worth noting that at least uh, when I was watching Deep Space Nine, uh, when when I looked this up and, and tested it, the uh, it seems that the closed captioning is actually sent uh, and is rendered um, on the machine because the closed captioning showed up. So if you want, so you know, if it, uh, you can you can transcribe your favorite Netflix shows, I guess. You just really wanted that snapshot of Quark. Um, so now I'm really trying to figure out why the snipper tool because I I know for a fact I can like I can picture exactly yeah. you know when I did it. I I don't know. I have to go back and play with that. The other thing huh. is, I mean, you, you can, of course, take your monitor and output that video somewhere, like send it back to your computer through a capture card, and that could still work. I mean, you know, that yeah. we can talk about capture cards another time, but it's basically a way to take in input from an external source and, and do something with it with your computer, typically stream right. with it. Uh, yep. Also creepy, uh, Quark was, in fact, actually on the screen when I was testing the screenshot out. <laughs> Uh, Sheriff, can you please get the nannyware off my computer? Thank you. Well, that's how I was, you know, tracking to make sure I knew exactly what what it was you were doing at that exact moment. So I would like to jump back if 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 you're ready to move on. Yeah. Back to Twitter for a moment. Because I know one thing that you are very active on on Twitter is posting Wordle scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wordle certainly has taken over in, in, in my household. I've stopped actually posting them on Twitter just because I don't know, I, I figured I'd stop doing it. But now the, the very first thing my wife and I say to each other in the morning is I got it in four. I got it in five. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's just kind of the, the, the routine that, that we go through. And, um, if, if anyone else plays out there, you've noticed probably that Wordle was purchased for, I believe the quote was the low seven figures. Mm-hmm by New York Times Games and is now yes. available there. 
And if you follow Wordle Twitter, I suppose, or hear some other scuttle about it, there's been a lot of contention that New York Times made Wordle harder. People have been saying, have you Mm -hmm. seen these words recently? Matter of fact, these words that we have had recently, um, ulcer, cynic, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's been there's swill. There has been a few recently that have just been a little bit more off the beaten path than say, I don't know, pouch or lined or something like that. Well, so swill especially was trouble because if you looked at everyone, no one could get the second letter. They got the rest of it, but it'd be like still shill skill spill i got i got skill. swill on literally the last uh guess on six of six yeah oh, kept, my, kept my streak alive but same here same here 41 and counting so will yes did new york did new york times make wordle harder well so i guess in, embedded in this controversy is because there's it's also, a controversy well there, there is a controversy around this because wasn't there a day where like the for some people, the word was aroma, and for some people, it was like agora or something like that. And I don't know if that was like what exactly caused that, but there were like two different words on the same day at one point. And agora specifically that. is not a a common word. Okay, I thought thought we were referencing that because there was a thought that they were going to do that. Oh, um, oh, oh. that okay, yes, um, that occurred right when the switch happened. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to load the game when it was still the original version, you got uh, Agora. Mm-hmm. If you loaded it when you got to New York Times, you got Aroma. Right, and and Aroma, I would argue, is is the easier word there since it's one that people have used before. That is um, that is true. Well, so the thing I guess that we need to talk about is is how Wordle at least originally worked, uh, and then we can get into whether or not it still works that way. Um, originally the guy made a dictionary of like, uh, all a lot. of, of every five letter word. Yep. And then he had, I think it was like the story is like, it was his, his girlfriend, his partner, his partner. Okay. His partner went through and picked all the words that were like, yeah, that's a reasonable word, you know? So, right. so got rid of words that like tears T A R E S is a common starting word, but it's not a word that people use a lot. And they picked the words that they thought were like reasonable, strictly human judged. And then from that set, I'll, I'll just add this one yeah. one other point. From that set, they then um, he he then chose kind of a reasonable representation of that to be the actual solution list. Yeah, and just randomize the, uh, the order. And then the other words were in like a acceptable word list, right? And. But from there, they randomize the order of like the the selected words, and that's literally the list of words. Like the list of words is has been plainly visible. If you went to the site and went to view page source, you could see literally every word that's going to come up mm-hmm. in Wordle. If, so if it, you it go- hadn't changed, yeah, yeah. If you Google for Wordle answers, you will find the list of all of the Wordle answers for every day from now until I believe sometime in 2026. Yeah. So into the future, the words into were the set fu- ahead of time. The words were sent into the future. Did New York times change that word list at all or change the process? So, uh, computer scientists, uh, are a colleague at Carnegie Mellon. David Anderson, um, has a wonderful tweet thread on this. And there's other articles about it as well. 
Um, if you take the two word lists, the one from the original site and the one from New York Times, exactly six words were removed from the uh, the actual answers list. And they are fiber, as in F-I-B-R-E. Oh. Lint, lynch. English spelling, yeah. Yep. Agora. Pupil. Slave. And wench. Those are the ones that were removed from the solution list. Now, there were other words that were removed from the acceptable word. Like, get, yeah, they, th- these are words you can guess <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah, they removed, uh, they removed obsc- obscene words, for example. Yeah, the, let's just say female cat was removed. Yeah. Um, uh, other uh, racial slurs <laughs> that were five letters were removed. Uh, this one is... Uh, uh, whore was removed, just in okay. case you want to know. They got the whore out of um, Wordle. The thing is, that actually has some useful letters in there. It does, I oh. know. And um, again, uh, I don't think we have an explicit tag, so I'm not going to say so. Yeah, I'm not, not going to go through all the... Yeah, Just go ahead and list all of those racial slurs. Make sure to say them very clearly into the microphone. I'll, I'll, um, I'll make sure I say them no. you know, just a... So, the timing, though... Really, of, of it just happened that the move from the original author's site to New York Times happened at the same time a bunch of other changes happened because of the New York Times switch. For instance, right. they changed the font and made it look more, quote unquote, New York Timesy, right. which, you know, whether you believe it or not, that gives it kind of an air of. Oh, this is book more sophistication, now. right? Yeah, exactly. And so your brain is already looking for some of these changes. Um, they also, uh, because it's part of New York Times games, it's loading more JavaScript, loading more CSS. The page technically loads slower right. than it used to, as opposed to just the plain Jane version. So that was another thing that can make people think, oh, wait. <laughs> What, what what's going on here? What, 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 what else is happening? And there's also kind of smaller changes they made with the layout. They added the, you know, new menus and things like that. Right. So because of the cognitive bias of, I know New York times now owns this and the preconceptions that the player already has mm-hmm. better or for worse, whatever about the New York times, couple that with the visual cue of New York Timesy font, whatever. And then it just happens that we happen to get smacked in the face with a cynic ulcer at the exact same moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the, the, the I was going to say, there's also the psychological aspect of the uh, the post hoc ergo propter hoc. It, it happened after, therefore it happened because, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just just we, we happen to get ulcer and which is a, a pretty tough word uh, right after the uh, right after yep. the switch. And, and I, I will admit right here in a recording that I did look up the answer for today to see if the word list was still working. And I went to do my wordle this morning and I forgot that I looked it up and it still took me four tries to get it. And that was so <laughs> stupid because I really yeah. should have gotten it in one. Well, <sighs> so here's, here's the fun way I like to think of it. Four is par three's a birdie. Five is bogey. Put it in golf terms. Oh, I've gotten an Eagle. I've gotten it in two once. I've gotten one of them in two, I believe. Yeah. I, I showed my wife my stats and I had one that was done in one. And she mm. was she was like, oh, my God, how did you do that? And I was like, oh, well, that was when I was moving from my laptop to my phone. Yeah, yeah. And I just already knew the answer for the day and I just put it in. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. 
So there you go. All right. Well, uh, since we're talking gaming, let's go to one of the other classic games, albeit a little bit older. Duck Hunt. Oh, I love Duck Hunt. I love the zapper gun. I love the clicky, the very yeah, clickiness the, of the, the zapper the very, gun. The very clicky zapper gun. So I had um, one of the earlier runs of the zapper gun as a kid, which was the gray one before they started making it bright orange because they didn't want people to think it was an actual gun. Um, yeah. So, and probably a lot of people know this one, but how did Duck Hunt work? So for those who aren't familiar with the game, to explain as best as we can, it was really one of the first like examples of a game to try to like do the again a home console game that really tried to do like something different. I mean, this and track and mm-hmm. field were up there. Ooh, track and field. Yeah. Where rather than playing on a traditional controller, you actually used a a what was called the zapper, which was, you know, it's also be referred to as a light gun. And there were a lot of arcade games around the time that used a similar technology, or at least came out later, like Area 51 is a famous one. Oh, man. Throwbacks here. Yeah. Uh, time Crisis. That's a good one. Oh, I love Time Crisis. So, so the question is, it turns out that those games fundamentally work the same way. So how do they work? Now I'm going to throw in a twist. Not just mm. how it works with one duck, but how it works with two ducks. Okay. So let me see if I got this right. I'm probably get the two ducks wrong, but let me get my ducks in a row here. Um, when you pull the trigger on the zapper gun, mm-hmm. it uh, it tells the screen to flash everything except the things you're trying to shoot. So the ducks mm-hmm. and they stay dark, which is a good visual cue from a from a gameplay perspective. Having the screen flash is like, oh, I shot something. That's, that's really neat. And there's that satisfying click from the zapper gun, I think, is an aperture opening and closing really quick to see how mm-hmm. much light is coming in. Uh, is that ac- so? So you're, you're close. So, okay. So I'll again, take close. the idea is the screen flashes. Now, in Duck Hunt, it actually the screen flashes black and the ducks are white squares. It turns out oh. to actually with with like games like Area 51, the screen would flash white except for the enemies. Of course, now we have to get into how the different enemies work. But um, the uh, it would the, it actually created a visual effect of like a gun, a muzzle mm-hmm. flash, right? So it looked okay for the context. But what it was actually doing was, yeah, the the whole screen would turn black except for the ducks would be replaced by like white squares. But it was actually a bit more complicated because people would talk about how oh, we'll just aim aim the aim the gun at a light bulb and pull the trigger and that could work. And that worked with some people's things, but that had to do more with faulty zapper guns because it didn't just do that the first screen that flashed was actually all black including where the ducks were Hmm. for exactly one frame okay then the second one used the white squares for the ducks and since it was crt it was you know it's pretty fast um 60 frames per second Mm -hmm. so you wouldn't visually be able to recognize that that was happening but it's what happened with duck hunt specifically it had the the zapper gun had to find the black light on the first frame and the white light on the second frame in order to work hmm. uh, specifically with two ducks. And I'm and I, fa- I, I have not been able to verify this because I've only found one source that described it. Um, 
what it would do was it would uh it would flash the white square for the first duck on frame like so frame frame one black oh, screen frame offset frame one oh, okay. was the white square for the first duck frame two was the white square for the second duck I believe um, I believe that's how it worked the other possibility could be different colors but I don't think it was that sophisticated yet I believe that's how like area 51 did it hmm. was having multiple enemies was not a frame offset but by different colors and you could only have like three enemies on the screen at a time anyway or something so they could use simple colors but uh yeah that is um you know if you look at it like there's and i and i can include a gif of it the screen would be black the duck would be a white square but it would be so fast that your eyes wouldn't see it but the light gun if it saw white it would say okay the duck got hit i miss i miss games with interesting peripherals i mean you know every once in a while there would be something that would come out i mean certainly the most recent one that was was all the rock band and guitar hero yeah nice pieces they of plastic just oversaturated but, the market with yeah with they it. very much yeah um but gosh you know between that and some of the more silly ones i had i had the Nint- the nes power glove oh gosh i did oh i did have it and it was um did it function uh, no. Okay. It, it, well, I mean, it kind of did. I mean, it, it, when you're there's playing a great Mario, angry video game nerd video with the power glove, where he tries to play Super Mario Brothers, and there's a point where he's like, Mario won't stop like doing quick jumps. So not like the long jumps actually get over something. Quick jumps, and he couldn't get Mario to stop, so he couldn't get over a pipe. And he's literally recording himself with his hand on the floor in his living room, and Mario's still jumping. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I remember playing Mario. You'd have to hold your hand and you would tilt it to make it go in a certain direction. Yeah. And so it was this weird, like almost like a marble game where you're trying yeah. to move Mario back and forth. Um, I'm trying to remember if it actually worked reasonably well for any game. It kind of worked with Punch Out, I guess. But I remember just as much putting it. On, I mean, to be completely mm-hmm. honest, I remember just as much putting it on. And then running around the house like a superhero than I yeah, did actually yeah. playing video games with it. Well, so. it was also, I mean, it was not trivial to use because it was basically you no. had to program the power glove for each game. You did. And there was a three point infrared sensor, not the not the wee mm. nice sensor bar that went on top. It was this weird contraption that had a sensor bar that went along the top of the television and then one that hung down along the yeah, side and the other that went to the other side because they were trying to triangulate the coordinates of it yeah i i really wish i knew what happened to that power glove i really do i mean i i i kept most i mean i sold a fair amount of my nes stuff but i feel like i would have kept that and i don't know who no. knows who knows I've got a headline here that caught my eye that I knew would be one that you would uh, appreciate. Okay. So this this headline comes from The Verge, where I find most of my good headlines. And the headline is, A robot bought my seven-year-old car for more than I paid brand new. hmm So we talked about used car sales at one point, um, way back, I don't know, maybe yeah. 10, 15 episodes ago, something, something like that. Something like that. And it was about Carvana. Right. And, and our car prices are still really, really high because of supply shortages. So, yeah. So a, a correspondent for The Verge mm-hmm. um, went to Carvana because they were interested in selling their, their current vehicle. They wanted to buy something else. And he purchased his, his name, Sean Hollister. If you're interested in the article, it's a, it's a very interesting article. Um, 
in 2014, he bought a Honda Fit, brand new, only had 23 miles on it. He paid $20,800 for it, okay? No accidents, normal usage, nothing crazy, still in Mm -hmm. good condition. He sold it to Carvana for $20,905. He made a profit of $90 on his car. Uh, on his, you know, seven-year-old car. And so he started an investigation. Investigation's kind of strong, but, you know, he reached out to Carvana and to their their offices and said, this seems weird. Right, and that, so, for a seven-year-old car, that seems high. So I, I, I'll go, the, the highlight of the story, because, I mean, I kind of want us to talk past the story about, you know, kind of where we're going with some of this as far as technology goes. But the highlight of the story is that um, Carvana's algorithm, which they trust implicitly, and this is part of the reason that they can do the deals that they do at the speed that they do, is whatever the algorithm says that they're going to pay for it, they just, you know, right, they do right, it. Right, right, Some of the variables in the algorithm are things like, do we have this type of vehicle in stock? Mm-hmm. Do we have it with these features in stock? What is the likelihood we can sell this for any amount of markup? And it turned out he had a manual Honda Fit that was in very good condition in a color that people wanted. And basically, it was the absolute sweet spot of right. what it ma- they were It missing. maximized a lot of their uh, their value. Exactly. It, at at no. the exact right moment, you know, this is what we need in our inventory. And the system said, this is market value for the car and we will pay it. And so, uh, you know, he reached out to them and they said, yeah, we haven't really seen that before. You really are an outlier here. Yeah. Um, But the rest of the article goes more into um, how they trust this algorithm. Right. And it's, it's an interesting thing for us to think about when at the end of the day, even though Carvana did this, their algorithm did this, they're still doing very well right right and so how much are we willing to turn over the decisions to the algorithm if the mm-hmm. algorithm is done properly and we, we you and i have used examples of algorithms like this mm-hmm. in our class as a more as a warning than anything else where right, when, right. for instance when algorithms were used for um automated uh college acceptances which did not take into such things such as this student is is coming from a low-income um neighborhood so there's you know their school didn't have the resources and the other ones did so there was obvious bias here but when it's just you're selling a car do we care yeah well this is where um so i'm gonna it's gonna sound like a diatribe back in 2010 when i was doing grad school at West Virginia University. One of the people who spoke ended up being my master's advisor was a guy named Tim Menzies. And good guy. Uh, and and he was talking about the singularity. The idea that and and the singularity often gets mis mislabeled as like the point where we can download our consciousness onto computers. That's not it's not what we're talking about. The idea is that if technology is this exponential curve, and it and it has been, that eventually it will get so steep that our, our little monkey brains won't be able to keep up with it anymore. Uh, and yep. 
one of the things that he explicitly said, and it stuck with me, was that as this as we approach better and better learning, what we will start to see are algorithms that work that no one can explain. Mm. Hey, this sounds a bit like hey. or like-, like DLSS, which is a, a technology that NVIDIA cards are using. And what they do is they render the game at a lower resolution than you want, but then are able to scale it up to a higher resolution. And it actually look good because they're using an AI, a, a, a pre-constructed AI model that figures out what is going to happen. But here's the thing about that AI model. It wasn't built by human beings. It was built by a machine learning algorithm. And the difference between AI and machine learning is in traditional AI, like if I'm play, if I'm writing a chess computer, I will say things like, oh, if you, if you can do a move, if move equals ch- move dot result equals checkmate, do that move. Uh, if move dot result wins queen, do that move, like whatever. But I, as a human being, am telling the computer how to play. Those were the earliest chess computers. Even Deep right. Blue, the the famous computer that was like the first to beat a grandmaster or like to beat the best player in the world, that was modeled learning. With machine learning, we do a lot of unmodeled learning where we don't have some easy to explain model about how the system plays. And it turns out that those actually tend to be much better because you don't teach the computer. You don't tell the computer how to play. You tell the computer how to learn how to play. And yeah, so, exactly. Like the you're best not chess, tell, you're not. Yeah, the best. You're chess. not solving the problem. You're you're teaching it to solve right. the problem. And it so like it, you know stockfish the way they train the way they trained it to play chess is they just played it. It played itself against chess millions and millions of times, and that's probably what we're seeing with Carvana, where there's a bit of. Uh, well, it's probably more modeled, but there's probably some learning model-less aspects in there. Um, DLSS certainly has a bit of that. And one of the things that we have to, I think, contend with is that more and more these systems are having pretty dramatic impacts in our lives. I mean, a, a good example of this also is the stock market. I mean, most oh, stock gosh. market trades now are through automated systems, through micro, through like yeah. micro traders. Yeah, which which to be clear, don't actually produce any economic value. Like they don't it really invest in the company long term. So yeah, how how do you handle that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I yeah. It, and the thing is, is that you know we teach software engineering, mm-hmm. and so. You know, in a way, we we should be you know talking. We should be teaching more our students about um, how do you go about learning the way that computers are going to learn the solution to these problems. I mean, we heard a we heard a guest speaker come to UVA talking about a, a an algorithm that you would basically show it a picture of multiple different mobile apps, and it would go in and it would look at the layout of those mobile apps and just recreate the user interface for you. Mm. That's, that's a little bit lower level than this, but, you know, it's if it gets to the point where your UI designer just says, well, here's what I want, and they draw the picture, and they just, like, hold it up to a camera, and the computer's like, cool, and just mm-hmm. let me build it for you, you know, how, how, do, we, how do we handle that how do our students handle that? And also mm-hmm. how do we make sure that the ethical considerations are being handled as well? Yeah. Like for instance, uh, deep fakes, 
Um, yeah. Deep fakes is, you know, it, it, you, I'm sure you've seen them. It's like, oh, let's superimpose this celebrity's face onto this funny scenario or whatever. Um, but what would happen, you know, deep fakes are getting better because they're trained in an adversarial way uh, in which the deep fake will try to generate basically a fake. And then a human being can look at the fake and something real side by side and they have to pick which it is. That's a way to train it. And the more that you're able to produce images that actually confuse real human beings, the better it gets. So it inherently, every time it's found to be wrong, it adjusts. And over time, just, you know, I mean, this is this is evolution in the classical sense here. Uh, survival of the fittest type type situation. The algorithms that work better survive the, the fittest model. Yeah, the fittest. Well, the <laughs> I, I, mo- again, models a little bit because. Okay, I was making a bad but, joke. But oh, let me yeah. let me have my bad joke. Thank but, you. Um, you know what? What do we do when the form when the best human experts aren't able to distinguish a deep fake from a legitimate video? What do we do? Uh, what are the societal implications of that? I don't know. Uh, I what happens when? You know, the the uh, video of the president announcing a new policy gets published on all the main major news networks because it's legitimate that it's actually not legitimate. I, I don't know. Um, so there we go. <laughs> the, oh, great. So so the world is doomed is what I'm saying, is that uh, humans won't be able to adjust to these new algorithms. I, I think the world. Yeah, the world is doomed. <laughs> How did we, how did I manage to steer us back to our doomsday episode? I, I'm not, I'm you, not a you big talked fan. about AI with me. That just always goes I, there. I, okay. All right. So then I have to get, all right, I'm going to switch. I have a fun one. Unless you have a fun one you want to bring in. Uh, I, I have a fun, but not funny one. Okay. I'm, I'm curious. All right. Why gold? Of all the elements on the periodic table. Why has gold so consistently been valued across cultures? Not it's not it's not just a you know uh, cultures outside of the the European sphere of influence valued yeah, yeah, yeah. gold. Oh yeah. Why? Why gold? Why not other elements? I mean, this was in. I was going to do a segue with the Olympics with this, but it really didn't come around. So. Was wasn't part of it because it was malleable enough mm-hmm. that it could be easily made into jewelry and various things like that, that right. it could be used and it was shiny enough to be ostentatious. Yep. So um, there, there's a number of reasons that that is one of them. But there is a cool uh, article on uh, on. Oh, gosh, it's gone. Um, OK. Oh, gosh, it's gone. Dot net. Oh, here it is. They saw on, uh, it was on the gold. BBC. Why do we value gold? And and the question was posed as why gold as opposed to any other element. And so the theoretical is let's let's start society over right now. I mean, let's be honest. We have Twitter, and Justin there. Bieber. We could we, <laughs> we probably just need to like kill this thing and then just start from scratch. Hit, hit reboot. Okay. Well, right out of the gate, let's rule out hydrogen, helium, oxygen, nitrogen, <laughs> chlorine, neon. Let's rule out all this because they're gases. Hey, 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 Will, Will, I'm going to have helium. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you sounded like you, the inconceivable guy. I'm blanking on his name, but 
Um, uh, Wallace? <laughs> yeah, and th- his last name's Wallace, uh, I think. Or maybe as I can't remember. Anyway, Inconceivable. Um, so we had to roll out all gases because it's hard to carry gases around in your pocket. Uh, it, True, yeah. If I've... you, if you, ha- you know, <laughs> and even if you have, like, vials of the gases, most of them are clear. Not going to okay. be great. All right, there's the joke about what if you had beans and then you're carrying yeah. gases around in your pocket, but okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. And then for similar reasons, bromine, uh, mercury, they're liquid at room temperature, <laughs> gallium to an extent, not great. Okay, all right, uranium, you know, I understand. Well, yeah. So so we got rid of the liquids, now we're down okay, to the solids. We will, you mentioned uranium. Let's get rid of the radioactive stuff. So Sounds like, like astatine. A which is a uh, halogen uh, semi-metal, post-transitive metal, whatever, um, which has been described by uh, chemistry experts as stuff that refuses to exist. The most stable isotope of astatine has a half-life of eight hours, which means it heats up so fast that any significant amount of astatine would self-vaporize in minutes. So, so not not great, but we can get rid like of the radioactive. Like most money you put in NFTs, uh, lithium, sodium, potassium, all those too reactive. You get a little water on them, they explode. Not good for money. Sodium, sodium, yeah. So you you drop sodium in water, it explodes. Not sodium oh. chloride, specifically right. sodium. Not sodium yeah, okay. ions. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, it took me. It took me a second yeah. to, to put it, to put two and two together on that one. Sorry. Then you start going through all of the transitive NAC, metals, yeah. which is pretty much all you're left with. Well, you know, you got to look at some just aren't great for making currency because they're just too not sturdy or they're too abundant. Um, so like tin, you know. It's not really <laughs> very sturdy. Uh, well, so aluminum, that's interesting. Aluminum, specifically, we didn't know how to your how to actually get metallic aluminum until the late 1800s. Hmm. Because it's very reactive. But mm. so like uh, pure aluminum, they just it was just thought that it couldn't occur. Uh it wasn't even really known about until relatively recently which is kind of surprising um now let's look at stuff like silicon and carbon they're they're solid or at room temperature but they're way too common you know oh just pick up some sand you're now rich right (laughs) so when you get down to it they filter it down to just a few metals that don't tarnish that don't corrode so this is why cop the copper and iron have been used for coins but they corrode in oxygen Right. So they're not good mm-hmm. for long term value. When you're talking about societies that need to carry around physical coins and wealth, you want something sturdy. Well, you need something that can reach melting point with early technology. So this, for instance, throws out titanium and zirconium because they're melting point and tungsten melting point way too high. Um, can't refine it into coins. You end up with, and and this is the specific list that the guy came up with, platinum, which is valuable, palladium, mm. or p- palladium, which is valuable, rhodium, osmium, ruthenium, and then, of course, gold and silver. Silver. That's all you're left with. Well, platinum of those still requires, still has a melting point of nearly 1800 Celsius. Gold and silver have pretty low melting points. In fact, it is the fact that gold is so unreactive, so uninteresting, K, 
chemically is what makes it great as a as a currency. And gold is more valuable than silver, even though they're comparably abundant. Why? Silver tarnishes. Hmm. Silver tarnishes with a bunch of things. Gold pretty much doesn't. That's why gold is so valuable. Um, I mean, if, even in the future, gold press latinum. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, uh, gold. well, but yeah, but it's really the latinum that's interesting. The gold is gold yeah, isn't the valuable that, part of that. That that's fair. That's fair. That you know, mm-hmm. Morn had all of the latinum stored in his stomach in that episode in series in, in season five. Maybe well, it was season six. Yeah, and also, I mean, <laughs> gold gold has started to become more practical as something used in a lot of electronics that led to a lot of the oh yeah the spiking in prices, uh, especially in the the two thousands uh, before even before the the housing market collapse, which economic collapses have always raised the price of gold. Um, but it was starting to rise for that, although it has been trending downwards. It's, it's been trending downwards pretty consistently for a while. Hmm. That, so one that was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. So, so the point wanna, here is you don't want to carry around any astatine. Uh, I, there you go. Uh, no, no astatine in, in my pocket. That's a weird episode title, potentially. Very quick one. From no stupid questions, how would you improve the board game Monopoly? I would make people follow the rules, which means that when you <laughs> land on a property, you if if you don't buy it, it goes up for auction. It goes up for auction. If you play the right way, the game doesn't take hours. Thank you all so much for hanging with us for this past. <laughs> no, no, hour. no. How would you improve the game Monopoly? Uh, well, depending on when I play with my wife or when we have played with other, uh, other couples, the rule, you need to make sure that there people understand there's a rule that you can't get married and then, then, uh, combine your resources and then try and stay in the game longer because <laughs> having to be forced to marry someone at the table of monopoly under pressure, just so someone doesn't get knocked out of the game is not too terribly much fun. So, so no monopoly shotgun weddings, no monopoly shotgun weddings there, there, there are so many house rules in Monopoly that it the, the actual rule set has been just yeah like so I mean, mangled over years. People and, like um, truly believe that there's like if you pay taxes, they go to the center of the board, and if you land on free parking, you get it. Like they think that's the rules. For example, that's um, never yeah. been a rule. Yeah, no. we we are going to do in the game design class this summer, and this was this was uh, proposed by uh, a fellow game design instructor, which I think is fantastic is you give you break your class into teams and give each team a classic board game monopoly scrabble sorry you know pick your classic games and they have to turn it into a cooperative game ooh interesting i know isn't that an interesting twist i think yeah. that's i think yeah i like that i like it too i think i think we're going to have fun with that so All right. but i think that is that is it for us today i have no idea what we are going to do next week because you and I are both at Sigsy next week. Uh, Not next, yeah, week. next week. Next week. Okay. Next week. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We will be yeah, in the. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're I was, recording this. I was on thinking a, on a day. That, <laughs> I was thinking that next week wasn't like was the last week in February, but no, like a week from now is the last day in February when we're recording this on Monday. Yeah. That. Yep. 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 Yeah. I leave, I leave for Providence a week from, from the tomorrow, from the day that we, we recorded this. So 
um maybe we'll record something on the show floor that would be hilarious yeah uh or i don't know figure something out all right i have no idea we will see what happens but until then until we get to see or listen or hear from all of us wait what am i trying to say here until the next time that our voices dance upon the airwaves if you have an opportunity to Go by regraderequest.com and leave us a question. We'd very much love to answer your question on the show. If you have not had an opportunity to subscribe to the podcast, if you go to regraderequest.com, you'll find links to all of the wonderful podcast providers where you can find our episodes. You can always reach us by emailing hosts at regraderequest.com. So for myself and for Professor Will McBurney, take care, be safe. And watch for falling goats. Falling goats would make a horrible currency. Oh my god. Well, I mean, once they hit the ground, they're not falling anymore. Right? You're literally watching your value plummet every time you have money. This is literally a game of Catan. This is, uh, two goats, one brick.